Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. COVID leaked from a lab? No way! And we're going to talk about the rise of the Fourth Reich confronting COVID fascism so that it never happens here again. Yes, the book club is back here on Critical Thinking. We are going to be talking about that book. And of course, we got the B or not the B. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. Let's get in to Critical Thinking. Good Monday to you all. How's everybody's Monday? I hope everybody had a good weekend. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Padoni. You can follow me at the Coppins Show, him at the Padoni Show. How was your weekend, Pat? Unfortunately, not long enough. Well, I mean, you, you do have some bit of fortunate news. Which is Your what, Buckeyes exactly? finally won a basketball game. It doesn't, it's a moot point at this point. Uh, well, and, I mean, have on, you ever the, s- on the same day, Pat, on the same day, my Badgers <coughs> away a lead. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, 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 that was the Buckeye game yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, There's it was, no uh, reason they should have won the game. None. None, none. And they won going away. It wasn't even that close. <laughs> Oh uh, no no they were at home. I know. I said I I said they won going away. Uh it right. wasn't even that close. Mm-hmm. Now, that having been said, uh, my Badgers choke away a potential NCAA winning bid um by allowing the uh, the thugs from the north. Yes. Um the scumbags of yes. them all. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 Right, we, on this we agree um yeah i just i don't know how if you're going to foul with under five seconds which is what apparently the plan was which is the right plan wisconsin up by three uh-huh under five seconds put them on the line they shoot the two free throws you, you either they have to follow you you go back down 
blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. Um, if you're going to do that, make sure you actually foul number one. Right. And then number two, congratulations to Max Klesmet for blocking the ever loving crap out of a three point shot. Right. Puts it out of bounds with about two point one seconds left. Yeah. So just enough time for a shooting uh, for a catch dribble shoot. Catch, shoot. Mm-hmm. Right. It, if you're going to do that, that's fine. That was a smart thing to do. Um, do not go for the steal. Do not go for the steal. Do not go for the steal. What do they do? We Jordan Davis decides he's going to try to out jump a guy who's got about six to seven inches on him. Um, and then Hunter Dickinson just drains a wide open three pointer as Jordan Davis, who went for the steal in the air, is sitting on the Michigan bench. That's got to be that has to come back to bad coaching. Yes, exactly. That is my point in all of this. So either you have not coached this scenario enough in practice so that everybody knows the drill, right? Right. Or or your players don't listen to you. That is an alternative. Or thirdly, Pat, you had an opportunity with 2.1 seconds when the ball was swatted out of bounds. They needed to go to the monitor, right? Yeah. So you as a coach had every opportunity to coach them in that moment to say, everybody in front, you put yourself between the man and the hoop. It doesn't matter if they catch the ball or not. You put yourself in front of them so that they cannot just simply shoot the ball wide open, no matter where it's coming from. Right? That's that's what you do. Right. And again, either they didn't listen to you, which is on coaching and discipline, or what? What's the alternative here? I was so mad about that. From from the perspective of, you know, for for the crowd that well, he won two out of the last three Big Ten regular season titles, right? But in the last twenty six years, he's the only coach to not make the NCAA tournament, and he's done it twice. Making the NCAA tournament has become an annualized thing, and yes, I get it. We don't have um, an NBA player on the roster right now. I understand that. But at the same point in time, Pat, you have to be able to recruit so that when you replace an NBA player or have to replace that NBA player, you're not stuck in the mud. And the lack of development from any depth on the bench, the lack of production, Tyler Wall looking like crap for better part of a month and a half, Stephen Kroll being meh, I just Chucky Hepburn goes out with 15 minutes to go in this game, right, Pat? And what do we end up doing? Playing really good basketball with Kamari McGee at point guard and leading the ball game after looking like we were going to get our butt handed to us coming out of halftime. And all of that work erased by stupidity. In the last five seconds of that game, oh, you know there was this. It, yeah, there there was this saying that my my basketball coach always used to say to us. It was, 
ball you man man yep. you basket mm-hmm. so um yeah i should come coach the the badgers for you yeah and i i don't know what the answer is it's gonna be an interesting offseason because i think chris mcintosh has some uh questions to answer and it's not just about likely missing the ncaa tournament because i think short of beating purdue this week i don't see the the badgers being able to win uh an ncaa tournament bit at this point now well, that, that's you play next isn't it it's yeah, yep, yeah yep yep no yeah, it is at home so that's great but um yeah that's gonna get ugly real fast um I, it's just frustrating um and I think from the talent evaluation and talent production standpoint, you have to look at the squad and wonder, okay, where is it? Because <laughs> we're not seeing front court depth production. We're not seeing, you know, young players moving up the ranks and becoming reliable backups and then mm. starting when it's their opportunity, like we've seen for a better part of 30 years at Wisconsin now. We're just not seeing it. And stagnation doesn't work. Um, it just, you know, you look at uh, what's happened with Chris Holtman, right? You guys yep. kind of lived through the last couple of years of stagnation of that roster, right? And stagnation of the, the, um, yeah, I just don't. I, I mean, you had one player that was at least able to carry us into the NCAA tournament. And the last couple of years had been EJ Liddell. Then he went and right. got drafted. And there wasn't much around him. But, but you you had nothing to replace him with, right? Exactly. That's my point. So, is where's that next man up? Where's right. that recruiting to get that that next uh, person up? And it doesn't have to be a person. It can be multiple people multiple. being able it to should be do multiple, that. And in just, my mind, hmm? it should be multiple. But like Bry, Bryce Sensiball, who's our our freshman, who's really good, by the way. But yep, you also it. heard me just say freshman in that sentence. So yeah, that's it. That's all you got. Yep. Yep. So I, I just I struggle to see where the Badgers are going to go in the offseason. I think it'll be interesting because you also look at what Chris McIntosh, the AD, the athletic director, did in literally pulling the plug on Paul Christ after he saw the first signs of and the second signs of cracks in the foundation, if you will, and said, yep. no, thank you. We're not going to crumble the entire foundation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know a lot of Badger fans are sick and tired of the yo-yos. And and uh, we'll see what happens here. And by yo-yos, I mean we're really good and good enough to win a Big Ten title one year and then barely make the NCAA tournament or not the next year. And then back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, yeah. Short there, of a there, short of a miracle run here at the end, uh, both of our teams will be out in March, which will be the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Here's here's the uh, thing. There, there's one silver lining, though, to us both missing the NCAA tournament. What's that? Neither of us are bad as the uh, East uh, East Dakota Golden Rodents. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, wait. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We lost to them at home. Yeah, but that's their only win so far. <laughs> that's their only win in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah. Now, with that having been said, Pat, there's a little bit of news that happened over the weekend that doesn't involve either one of our uh, basketball teams on the coll- collegiate level. Um, and the news came out on Sunday morning from the Wall Street Journal that classified, quote unquote, information was given to them from the Department of Energy. 
And why the hell does that matter, Pat? Well, because apparently the national labs fall under the Department of Energy, and they've been looking into the various theories of how COVID-19 became a thing and was spread amongst the human population. Mm-hmm. Well, the investigative uh, portion of this is is complete, and um The report from the Department of Energy is that uh, it leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Oh, you don't say. Yep. The Department of Energy, in its investigation, has concluded that the most likely scenario is that it it came from the lab. Gee, it's almost like we, we, we said this three years ago. And it is almost like... The entirety of the virological or epidemiological um, scientific apparatus, right? Uh-huh. Had it right from the very get-go, and something or someone or some group... Democratic <laughs> state! <coughs> um, decided, y- no, you can't say that. Because what would the implication of this be, Pat? If it was a leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that means one of two things are only possible. This was an an accident. Or this was on purpose. That's it. Yeah. It doesn't leak for its own good, its own benefit. So as I'm looking at this, I have a very, I, I just, people talk about the bioweapon and this and that as if it's like the the grandest of the conspiracy theories. I cannot definitively state whether this, became, this is a bioweapon. I cannot definitively state that this was just a simple mistake. Somebody pricked themselves or or expose themselves in a respiratory way, right, um, over enough period of time that they got themselves sick. But remember, Pat, from the very beginning of the investigation, right, people were telling Anthony Fauci that something is not normal about how this virus looks. In terms of its actual makeup, right? It's it's DNA, if you will, to to use an inartful term when we're talking about um, very, you know, scientific, deep into the the woods terms. Mm-hmm. It, it the the way that this thing acts, the way that this thing is made up, it does not seem natural. That was the first instinct of the people who looked at this from that perspective. Now, we have doctors who are on both sides of the aisle on this, right, when they've also taken a look at the makeup of original COVID-19, not its other variants. But the reality of the situation is this for me, Pat. What have we learned about everything associated with, uh, excuse me, Lord, Savior, President, Doctor Anthony Fauci. Today. That's still wrong. What? That that name is still wrong. 
You forgot the science trademark. Oh, yeah. I forgot the science trademark, the the truth registered trademark, Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Sorry about that. I apologize. Just just make sure you got it right. That's that's all. I I apologize to to everything, the science and everything, the truth, everything, the Lord, our Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci. I apologize. Uh, (laughs) That having been said, what do we know about everything that, that he has really said about this? From the very get-go, his usual original opinion is usually the correct one by the end of it all. Usually. Usually. Like, we could talk about masks. We could talk about all the other things, right? Now, usually that's the case. The only thing that he's been 100% wrong on from the very get-go is the efficacy of taking the jab. And we're we're gonna get into that in this in this beautiful book right here, Rise of the Fourth Rank. We're gonna get into that. But um so the original thought process was what? This is likely to have come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and it leaked out. Again, nobody is accusing China, and this is the important part, because I think this is really where the mix-up happened in terms of why we're still debating this because this is a geopolitical issue at that point in time. Because what is the implication? Like I said, the implication is that one of two things has to have happened that it was an accident or it was done intentionally. And would the Chinese release a virus intentionally on its own population? Yeah, they would. Yeah, yeah, they probably would. Why? Because they've intentionally starved their people in the past. Look at Mao. Look at look at the Chinese Communist Party throughout its entire history. It has starved its people. It has murdered its people. It has done terrible, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad things. In fact, it's still doing what to the Uyghur population, holding them in concentration camps. We forget that. Because it's in inconvenience to the 24-hour news cycle. <clears throat> They're willing to put their own people in concentration camps because they have a religious belief. Okay? You think they would beyond, be beyond this as a way to institute more control, as a way to, to rein in the population uh, of, its, uh, of its citizenry, and more importantly, to control the rest of the world? Now, again, I don't know that that is the absolute case here, but I continue to go back to what would be the benign, innocent explanation for all of this, that for the multitude of years that they've been likely studying this, right, again, gain-of-function research, right, the years that they've been doing that, and all, it's never gone out, never got out, never got out, and just suddenly comes out? How did that happen? How? I don't I don't know that there is an innocent or benign innocent explanation for it. I, I, just, I, I don't think there is one. I, so when I look at this from a critical thinking perspective, what do I know? I know for sure that 
multiple agencies within our government and multiple people have looked at this, their first instinct was what? And now the evidence, the people looking further into this, continue to back up the original hypotheses. Will we ever know for 100% truth? Probably not, unless we got our hands on some sort of a ch internal Chinese government document, right? Um, that Would they have been that stupid? I don't know. Potentially. What do we know about the communist apparatus? Everything is written down. Everything is documented. Everything is regimented, right? So it's entirely possible that we could find something in the future, but we have to work under the assumption of of the abundance of evidence. We cannot work under an absolute certainty. That is the truth. The abundance of evidence is a suggestion that this came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And furthermore, the abundance of evidence suggests that it wasn't an accident. Because if it was, Pat, what would the Chinese government want to do with that information? Get it out to the public. They would want to admit to it being an accident, right? They would want to say, hey, this was an accident, and here are the three th three things that we're doing to make sure this never happens again. They've shut up. They haven't allowed people in. They haven't allowed you know, international people to really take a full-on look at all of this. Why? If it was just an accident, if somebody did something wrong, throw that person under the bus. That's what the Chinese Communist Party is great at, right? Literally and figuratively, excuse me, under the tank. Tiananmen Square. That, that's all they needed to do, right? Right. It's a, That's an easy, this person screwed up and they're gone. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> right? I mean... I mean, you you would think that that would have happened already if that were the case. That would be the easy way out here. Right. But China continues to stall, continues to delay, continues to deny, continues to do this, that, and the other thing, continues to lock its people, literally shutting them into their doors, right, into their apartments, um, execute more and more food control, more and more personal space control, more and more control over every aspect of their lives. So, as I look at this, I wonder about it. Now, believe it or not, CNN did a journalistic thing this weekend, Pat, with Dana Bash asking um, Jake Sullivan, oh, is it Jake Sullivan? Um, yeah, Jake Sullivan, who is the spokesperson uh, for Biden's national, uh, he's the national security advisor, excuse me. Okay. Uh-huh. Dana Bash asked, Point blank, did the coronavirus pandemic start in a lab? Is that what you believe now? Sullivan's response, Pat, I want your reaction to it. Okay. Well, Dana, there is a variety of views in the intelligence community. Some elements of the intelligence community have reached conclusions on one side, some on the other. A number of them have said they just don't have enough information to be sure. Here's what I can tell you. President Biden has directed repeatedly every element of our intelligence community to put effort and resources behind getting to the bottom of this question. And one of the things in the Wall Street Journal report, which I can't confirm or deny, but I will say the reference to the Department of Energy, President Biden specifically requested to that the national labs, which are part of the Department of Energy, be brought into this assessment because he wants to put every tool 
at use to be able to figure out what happened here. And again, if we gain any further insight or information, we will share it with Congress and we will share it with the American people. But right now, there is no definitive answer that has emerged from the intelligence community on this question. Unquote. Jeepers, cripes, just say yes or no. Like, like, is this what we believe or not? Well, to his credit, I will say this, to his credit, he's right. That various parts of the intelligence apparatus that are looking at this have varying views on it. So again, to my for my first point, which ones do you believe? I'm going to go back to the the pieces of the pie that have been put together from the very beginning. It just feels like a non-answer to me, though. Like like he's just answering talking points versus the well, sure, point. part of it. But I think the strongest part here, Pat, is that he's saying that he can't confirm or deny the report. That's true. And what what does that bureaucratic speak for? Yeah, that report's true. Yeah, that report's true. Yeah, yeah. I can't confirm Gen- it. I'm not going to deny it either. <laughs> so, and would the Biden administration really share that information? No, I and I agree with you. I I don't know that they would. I don't know that they would, because if it is truly found that this was a intentional leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, okay, if this was intentional, what is it? It's an act of war on the entire world by China. Mm -hmm. So are you prepared to go to war? Uh, furthermore, is the rest of the world prepared to go to war? Because I don't, I don't see if, if that ever came out. I don't see us just being like, okay, down with China. I could see other countries be like, okay, screw this, we're all gonna go beat the living crap out of them. I could totally see that happening. Yeah. So when I look at this, I, I wonder out loud. What is it gonna take for more and more? people to start to turn on and and understand what took place here because there there's a mounting hill of evidence in one direction and there's a lack of that same evidence in another direction and the lack of the evidence to this being natural is that there should be a way in which you can and they they went in and they tested right away, right, from the, the wet market in, in China, right? The alleged source. They can't find it. What do we know about the spike proteins and what do we know about COVID-19 as a, as a virus? It sticks around for quite a while. They, they've never been able to find any evidence that... The wet market was where this came from, or more importantly, that a open air market is where this came from. None. Zip zero zilch. And what do we know about COVID-19? That if one person is infected by it, right, and they might, maybe they don't know about it, right? They could easily infect two people who then can easily infect four and eight. This is, this is a snowball virus. This isn't a... I have to inject you with something for you to get it, right? So, or I have to do something to you to necessarily get it. I, we're just going to sit here on our hands 
and watch China just deny all of this. Like, if we want to talk about World War Three, right? This is the geopolitical implication of what the Department of Energy is saying here. The geopolitical implication is that this was a leak from the lab. We just don't know which way it went from. Again, was it a benign, innocent leak or was it on purpose? We might not ever know that. And China's obfuscation, China's hiding, whatever, whatever verb or whatever you want to use. Didn't we also, don't we also have reps in that lab too? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. This would so, have some serious implications. More importantly, Pat, it also has some serious implications for what? Gain of function research as a whole. Right. right. And Fauci and his minions pipeline to prosperity. Because they've gotten rich over this type of research over the years. So this is why this is an important report, okay? This isn't some fly-by-night. This is the Wall Street Journal getting information and giving it to the American people. And it's from a verified source in the Department of Energy, right? This isn't some, I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend, right? We're, we're not going down the 70s uh, soft rock um, model here. So I, I I just really, really struggle with the implications of this because I don't know what, what happens from here. If, if what we believe to be true can be proven 100%, more importantly, I don't think, let's put it this way, I don't think there will ever be a 100% smoking gun one way or the other whether that would Probably be the, the lab leak or wet market, right? But what I do believe is that we are going to see the good old legal standard of preponderance of evidence will eventually stack into the direction of this did leak from the lab. And then what we have to explore from there is the intention of that leak. How can we find if this was an intentional situation? Because we also need to know were our scientists compromised in China? And what do I mean by that? Were, were the people working allegedly on behalf of U.S. operations actually working on behalf of the Chinese government? Right? Either way, either way, no matter how this shakes out, either way, it's bad. Mm -hmm. It's just, is it going to be bad or is it going to be much worse than that? Yeah. There are the, no the, good outcomes mm -hmm from this. And so the government, both of the United States of America and of China, right? The governments have a vested interest realistically in muddying the waters of this investigation as long as humanly possible. So that you and I and everybody else will hopefully just forget about it in due time. When it becomes less useful for them to be able to pull the levers of of panic, right? Yes, and let us not forget what they did to us. Speaking of which, we're going to get into that in just a little bit. But before we do, Pat, I think it is time for us to play a little bit of 
the B or not the B. Are you ready? Oh, yes, I'm ready. All right, leave that headline on me. All righty. Today's headline. John Fetterman's wife says that after he checked into the hospital for a severe depression, she fled the country with their kids and went zip lining. John Fetterman's wife says that after he checked into the hospital for severe depression, she fled the country with their kids and went zip lining. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. Why you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins? Folks, it's Monday. And as you've heard me say many a time on Mondays, Monday is like the worst day of the week, in, in my humble opinion. It, it, it is the because you're coming off the weekend, you're coming off of you know, probably a slightly different sleep schedule than what you normally do during the work week. And you've, you've got the Monday morning um, blues, if you will. And you need that pick me up. So what you need to do is go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. Find yourself a flavor you want to try if you haven't tried them yet. And if you have tried them, keep supporting them. Keep trying different flavors. Keep going back to the ones that you know that you like. Um, and uh, put that into your coffee cup in the morning because they don't care about your politics at all. They don't want your vote. They just want your business, and they want to give you a great product. So all you need to do is go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. Use the promo code CRITICALTHINKING at checkout. You'll get 5% off your purchase today. And by the way, if you don't do the coffee thing like me, they've got hot chocolate. They've got tea. They've got other things there that you can get. Just go to coffeebrandcoffee.com. Promo code critical thinking at checkout and get 5% off your purchase today. All righty. John Fetterman's wife says that after he checked into the hospital for severe depression, she fled the country with their kids and went zip lining. Is this the B or not, not the, B? the B? Are you sure? 1000% sure because I know that she fled to Canada. But what about the zip lining part? Also went zip lining. I guarantee you. And you know this because because I already know she fled the country. That 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 no. that is a hundred percent true. Well, I mean, you you're right. This is not the B. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, it actually starts off saying you you might have thought this headline was exaggerated. It wasn't. Um, her uh, Twitter says I'm not really sure how to navigate the journey, but I am figuring out it slowly. One. We could go today when the news dropped, the kids were off from school and the media trucks circled our home. I did the first thing I could think of, pack them in a car and drive. Uh, we drove straight into Canada and <laughs> lovely Buffalo, New York. Um, <clears throat> we talked about lots of things and how we will have to face hard things about the need to be gentle with all and with ourselves. Uh, we did some scary things, um, but we, we did them together. <sighs> we ziplined over Niagara Falls, and August got stuck. Uh, we talked about flexibility and the need for always to have an open heart and open mind. Um, we also talked about the joy and how much fun you can still exist even when someone we love is in pain. And tomorrow, who knows? We will all try over again. Look, I'm just going to say this. I hope John Fetterman gets the care he needs. I do. 
Yep. That that is a terrible, terrible thing that he's going through. I'm sure. I hope he gets the help and care that he needs. And look, strokes can do a lot of things to a lot of people. Right. Like that. And they're not physical or whatever. Right. They can it's, lead it's to fun. severe depression. They can lead mm-hmm. to um, the loss of language skills. They can lead to things that don't physically manifest themselves. Okay. Right. In terms of right. things that are literally visually obvious in the moment. Right. Okay. They're terrible. They're horrible. They're no good. The care that he needs, he should be getting. For by the way, for anybody suffering through these things, right. That being said, Pennsylvania, the state of Pennsylvania, also deserves the care that they need, and that it means representation in the Senate. And they're not getting that right now. They need a second senator that is there doing their job. He's not there. Therefore, ergo, he should resign. Point blank. That's it. Period. Point blank. I agree with you, especially because it's likely that he's going to be in this care for more than a month. Uh, And who's to say that this will be the only time in his senatorial career? And I would suggest this if somebody were to get um, help for alcohol abuse, for drug abuse, right? If they're going into a detox rehab situation, they need to be able to focus on that because here's the reason. Here's the the issue, right? If you have clinical depression, what is the number one thing that can trigger your depression? Stress. What does a senatorial job do? Give you massive amounts of stress. Yeah. The state of Pennsylvania, as you put it, because remember, the, the way things are set up in the Constitution, the People's House is the House of Representatives, right. the state's house, the the state interest, right, is in the Senate. Is in the Senate. They deserve. I mean, they deserved better than Fetterman versus Oz to begin with. Number well, one, true. I but I, they I, deserve I somebody who is actually going to do this job and is capable of doing this job. And we it, this is. I don't care about your politics. I really don't. I, I really really don't. This is about competency of job and ability to perform the duties of said job. This would be like somebody who has chronic back issues, right? Deciding that they're going to work in, I don't know, let's say a a factory uh, position in which you must lift hundreds of pounds every single day, right? Yep. Do you have the physical capacity? Putting them into that position is wrong. Or hiring them for a job that might actually one day require them or you decide, hey, I need you to lift this today. And then they hurt their back. You did them a disservice. That's what the people of Pennsylvania did to themselves, by the way. And so in some yep. ways, I also think that they they deserve everything they're getting. Oh, totally agree with that, too. But totally we haven't even that. talked about the biggest issue here, Pat. Not even close. I, I, are you hearing that in, in the background, Pat? Are you hearing? She's a gold digger. She's a gold digger. <laughs> you, you hearing Kanye West uh, playing in the background? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Because that's exactly what this looks like, right? Your husband is in medical care for clinical depression. And your answer to is leave. the media is leave. Leave. And your answer is because media. You run to Canada from Pennsylvania. Yeah. A very supportive You care wife so you. much about your husband mm. and his mental well-being that I'm going to just run. And then and then on top of it, she I mean, if you've ever seen how she looks next to him, mm. she literally looks like the the prototypical gold digger. Literally, like she's always fancied up and you know, all of these things while he's sitting there wearing a hoodie, right? Mm. Hoodie and jeans or whatever have you, or a a ill-fitting suit. <laughs> like, like seriously, have you, you you do realize that you could go to Nordstrom Rack of all places and get your suit tailored for like Lex next to nothing? Are you serious right now? Yeah. Um you know, for as much as, you know, I, I make fun of my wife on this show at times, there's yeah, a terrible no way Sammy in hell. Maker. What, 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 what? The Sammys, right? The lack thereof? Yeah, the lack thereof. Um, there's no way that I am not at that hospital every chance I could. I'm, I'm allowed to be there. There's no way I'm not. Yeah. I don't and, know and what their business is. There's no way that I'm no way going to Canada while I have a husband or wife. Mm -hmm. my case, it would be a wife, right? In your case, it would be a wife, but our spouse, right? There's no way <coughs> in blue hell I am leaving the country while they're in the throes of deep clinical depression because at any point in time, something could change drastically. Right. A medical emergency, a potential suicide attempt, whatever have you. You... So you're going to deal with that by bye-bye. It speaks volumes of your character. Well, I, my kids. You you live in the grandiose of grandiose houses. The, you have a very easy way to protect against the media. You go out in front, tell the media, uh, please, my children are in the house. Please leave. They are scared. We don't need you here at all. Bye-bye. That, that's all it takes, literally. And, and if, if they, they don't, leave, don't, call the cops. Call the cops. You can move them on. Mm. And more importantly, because they're creating a disturbance in the neighborhood. Move them on. I've already spoken to them. I gave them everything that they needed or wanted. And I told them what I was going to do. And they refused to leave. Well, it's public property. The streets are right. But you're creating a nuisance in the street. So get and out. And by the way, all the conversations they supposedly had on this trip could have easily been had at home. A hundred percent. Oh, hundred percent. I just look, do I, I will never understand a motherly instinct, right? Neither will you because no. we will never no. be mothers as much as people want us to believe that that's possible. Right. South Park 2005. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 
the fatherly instinct in me, right? If I were to have children, wouldn't be to run and hide. I mean, it would be to protect, but right? It would also be to to give them as much of the truth as I can without in a way that they can understand it. Okay. Right. I, it, it, there's also that husbandly instinct there that we just talked about too. Right. And that husbandly instinct is I ain't leaving. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be there as much as possible. And, and it could be that, Hey, for the first week of this, you're not going to be able to see them. That's fine. But I'm going to be here in case something happens. And I'm going to make sure that my house is in order. Right. Instead, it's flee and run. She is an, I will say this. She is the worst. She's the worst. Yeah. Also, by the way, an illegal immigrant to this country. But hey, that's neither here nor there at this point because she found herself a now sitting senator to have married and become now some sort of citizen. Hmm. Yeah, she was in, in this country illegally for at least 11 years. So you're so she has a history of being able to flee and run. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, what my my also my point is, uh, you you were going down the road of gold digger. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, just pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. That having been said, Pat, it is time for us to pick up the book. So, <clears throat> you, you right here, book? Rise yeah. of the Fourth Reich. Confronting COVID fascism with a new Nuremberg trial. So this never happens again. All right. So how are we going to do this? Well, first of all, we're going to take two chapters at a time for the next, what, 10 weeks? Yeah, there's going to be a long term Monday book club um, Mm -hmm. here on the show. And so how we're going to do this is we're going to let you know, you know, obviously chapters one and two plus the appendix uh, today. Right. Or not Uh, the appendix, but the opening statement, yeah, yeah, the opening statement and the the first two chapters, and then each week after this, it will be chapters three and four next week, so so forth and so on. Pick up your copy, Amazon.com. Um, it was the number seven best selling book last week, by the way, Pat, mm-hmm. in the entire country, and somehow magically never made the New York Times bestseller list. <laughs> what yeah, a coincidence! But it made it made Wall Street Journal. Yes, it did. It made the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal's uh, bestseller list. So congratulations to uh, mm-hmm. our friends and uh, guests on this show, Steve Dace and Daniel Horowitz. Daniel was on last Monday to help set up the book club for this book. And that is something that we're going to do with further book clubs, right? When we decide to take on a book, we're going to hopefully have the author on ahead of uh, in previewing the book. So how we're going to set this up is we're going to look more generally, and then we're going to dive into some of the, the the actual things in each chapter. And the first general thought process uh, thought process or thought that I had when I read chapter when I read chapters one and two, Pat, was this is brilliant in turn because what we know about this book is that it is set up as an actual trial. This is not a book in which you're just going to read through stats and figures and numbers and and hear a story no. or two here and there. No, this is actually set up as a prosecutorial um, look at this. There's an opening statement, which is long, by the way, full of facts, full of figures. And then they're going to bring witnesses on. 
And the first two witnesses, as we deal with chapters one and two, I believe they are Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long and Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers. Both now, military. Both of them from the military. Mm-hmm. I found that absolutely to be brilliant in terms of how you set up a a trial. Because if you know anything about how you um, prosecute a case, one way or the other, if you're defense or or prosecution, you lead with the gut punch and then back that gut punch up. And then you also end with one of your strongest witnesses. So you bring big guns at the beginning, you back off a little bit, and then you push the hammer back down at the end. You always do that because you get the first impression in the mind of the jury, right? And then you give them the last impression. And what bigger impression of upon a jury could there be than bringing forth evidence from the military? And more importantly, the biggest population experiment, if you will, right? The biggest group that you could experiment upon if you want to go down that route, then the military. There, there are there is none. There is no group that is that is larger more diverse, more everything than this. If you, if you were Pfizer, right, what, what population could you possibly want to experiment upon greater than the military? None. There are none. Because you have the broadest cross-section of American society. That's the reality mm-hmm. of this situation. So I thought it was brilliant to do it from that perspective because they also have what? The argument from authority. Because they do have some of that authority. And more importantly, they they bring the authority of their story and their position, right? This, it's like, you know, it's like the cop in a, in a testimony or a, a doctor. And by the way, both of these are actually doctors as well. Some mm-hmm. of the most decorated people in all of the military. Um, I think it's Peter Chambers, right? Um, Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers, who is not just a medical doctor, but also a Green Beret. Yes, you you heard that right. He is a Green Beret. He went through. He decommissioned himself. Okay? Which he is rare, by the way. decommissioned himself mm-hmm. and became a Green Beret, an Army Ranger, and then decided that he was going to do what, Pat? Put both of those skill sets to use by helping the Texas National Guard. Mm-hmm. So I thought, generally speaking, that for me, the first impression was the absolute genius of putting these two individuals as your first two witnesses onto the stand. If, you, if you're looking at it from a trial perspective, and if you're looking at it from a book perspective as well, because there are no two greater people that you could do this with, because they have a relatability to the general public that a Peter McCullough or a Pierre Corey or... Some of these like in the weeds epidemiologists or virologists might not have, right? There's there's a disconnect that can exist from a a quote unquote um, virological expert versus a doctor who can give you both real world and scientific data. Right. Your your generalized uh, impressions as you looked at um, the first couple of chapters here. Well, I also too thought this was ingenious that they they led with the military at first, 
Um, I didn't quite have the same analysis you have, but uh, I don't know if anyone's ever watched or read the book, the the Terminal List. Um, it, or the show. I, I kind of had, I kind of had that the, the same impression with with both these chapters because what what they're doing is, and, and the premise of the Terminal List is that they were testing um, PTSD drugs on the military without their knowledge, and it created brain tumors. And one of the, yeah, it, it, on uh, Navy SEALs, by the way. Right, right. And so um, I, I kind of had the same impression here when it came to the COVID jab. It's not exactly the same thing, but, you know, you, you see where I'm going with this. But uh, I th- there's a, there's an excerpt here from um, Teresa Long that I, I, I want to read really quick. Um the head preventative medicine doctor, a colonel, said the military was using civilian model, which was absolutely abhorrent. Then I asked if we skipped two years of phase two trials and three years of phase three trials, and we only lost 12 soldiers across Department of Defense to COVID um, at the time, we're really going to risk the lives of 1.4 million soldiers with an experimental vaccine. The colonel retorted, you're damn right, and we're going to get every soldier you can to, to take the vaccine so I can get enough data points to determine if the vaccine is safe. That's crazy. And I, I know that, that the, when, mm-hmm. when you're in the military, there, there is this perception that you know, you're, they own you, right? To an extent, However, they're, they're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. They own you. You, they you, own you. Your body is not your body anymore, right? To and an extent, yeah. And, but I'm like, at, at at some point here, we also have to recognize that our military men and women are still people, are still human, are still citizens of the United States of America that are putting their lives on the line for this country. But why would we ever force them to do something that is not medically safe, not medically proven to be safe, and not only that, but could also harm them? Because you would think, you would think if if you are in, in military leadership, you want your soldiers to be in prime physical fighting condition you're not doing that by forcing an untested jab into their arms you are actually wasting your investment if if we're going to look at it from they own you perspective right on the other hand if we're looking at this from a human rights perspective yeah, the military may, may own you. Your body may no longer be yours because it may be used in combat, right? And my, I guess my question is, what is the benign, innocent explanation for the military to do this to its own personnel outside of actual military purview? Mm-hmm. That was yeah. my impression. The other part of why I think this was smart for them to put these two doctors 
from the military on here is because they can tell very personal stories and mm-hmm. um and they can tell very scientifically accurate stories. So for those mm-hmm. who don't know, Peter Chambers, Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers, basically is is has been forced into retirement at yes. this point in time. Yep. And I want you to understand this. So Peter Chambers in 2021, okay, was part of the Texas National Guard. He was basically there to oversee the medical uh, needs and fitness for duty and all that sort of stuff for the Texas National Guard, okay? Right. Um. So he states here that um, February of 2021, Colonel Peter Caldwell, the Texas state surgeon, came to me and said I couldn't go to the border and take care of soldiers if I didn't take the COVID shot. It was not mandated at the time, but we had our own self-imposed mandate for providers in order to work. There was no adverse side effects reporting feature out yet. So uh, it says here, then I don't know any or I didn't know anything about mRNA therapy yet. Not to mention the fact that I had been taking shots in the military since 1983. So the year my brother was born, Pat, (laughs) and never batted an eye. <clears throat> including multiple hits of the infamous anthrax vaccine. I trusted the military brass 100% that the COVID vaccine was going to be safe and effective, especially given that we always had informed consent with everything before. And that's always been the key, right? Yes, you don't own your body, but you are at least being informed. You have to be informed about what's going in there, and then you make a decision, right? Sometimes that decision is to separate from the military, other times not. But he continues saying that. So in January of 2021, he takes the Moderna COVID vaccine to go to the border. Somewhere along the way came the mandate. And if you do not have the shots by January 2022, you are out of the National Guard. Okay. Unfortunately, I had already started to notice vaccine reaction symptoms in myself about 40 days after the shot. So that's the first one. He says that I started developing brain fog and had two pretty significant cases of vertigo. The second one happened when I was jumping out of a plane at night while doing a recertification. Again, he is a green beret. At about 9,000 feet, I realized I couldn't see my uh, altimeter while tumbling through the sky at terminal velocity and decided to pop my chute. I landed about two miles from the drop zone instead of being squashed out onto the pavement somewhere. I went in to get checked out and the CT scan found demyelinization. I don't know if anybody knows what that is, but you find that, that with multiple sclerosis, folks. But it was also what we are seeing now from Pfizer data showing well over 1,000 adverse reactions just for demyelinization. Now, what you need to know is basically this is the sheath, if you will, the, the extra protective layer that exists between your brain and your skull, okay? And... What he is talking about is the that this is actually separated. So basically think of it as a the, the protective layer is now gone. And that means radio wave protection, all that sort of stuff is gone. He points out, with that sort of neuro, neuro, neurological malady, you feel like a lightning rod. I don't run a 5G device anymore or put it to my ear. Radio and microwave frequency can wreak havoc with somebody with demyelinization. The treatment is stuff like resting the brain and antioxidants. This doesn't go away. His life is completely altered 
by this. He goes on to talk about other things that happened here. Um, he talks about we were seeing specific grouping of injuries based upon vaccine lot numbers that you can look up in the VAERS database. For example, we had six younger guys who got cases of myocarditis over a five-month period of time. There's the problem with the guard. They're not on active duty, so they end up not going uh, they so they end up going to a civilian hospital. As such, workman's comp covers for injuries, but maladies like chest pain don't get covered since they're not on TRICARE, which is the military's version of Medicare, okay? Also, nobody in the Guard was ordering the cardiac MRI that was required because they wouldn't touch it for obvious reasons. What we find in the first two chapters of this book is maddening, Pat. What we find is a brass a bureaucratic apparatus that is as interested in covering up as the rest of the scientific community in the bureaucratic apparatus of the civilian side of government. Mm -hmm. What we have is in Teresa Long's testimony, her asking a very, very important question. If I wanted to create a bioweapon, what else different would I do? And what do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Not COVID-19. But if I wanted to create a bioweapon, what else would I do? I can inject something into people that would get them sick. Now, myocarditis can be treatable. But for some people, it is a life-altering, lifelong issue. If you have myocarditis on top of diabetes, Pat, you know how susceptible you are to death? Very. Very susceptible to it. What happens if you don't know that you have myocarditis? Because it doesn't exactly present itself in a fashion that you would understand right away. Well, you get a Christian Erickson, a Damar Hamlin, uh, the the countless hundreds of other people, Jake Hescock, former Badger, UCF uh, offensive lineman, 25 years old, out for a jog and just pops dead. These things are not normal in the young, healthy military population to the point where both of them point out that the incidences of myocarditis that they are seeing and having to treat are things that they've never seen in in decades long military careers they've they they so rarely saw it before that most people didn't know how to treat it from a from a clinical perspective why because they've never had to this is how rare these things are but they are becoming commonplace these days but the real the real crux of the matter is you'll notice right as i told you in that first part of the the colonel peters story it's the surgeon general right it's the 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 head of the the mds if you will right take the shot or else take the shot or else take the shot or else and teresa long i thought had a really interesting case study she put it this way if if this was no big deal, if the vaccine was no big deal, right? 
if it was something that had no real adverse events or no real if it was so good if you will at 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 doing what it's supposed to do right mm-hmm. they would treat the people opting out of it right with broad liberal brushes right if this was about experimentation what would they do mandate 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 and absolutely crack down on people claiming religious or medical exemptions right so what did she do she observed how the military treated those who came with medical or religious exemptions what did we see we saw the military brass not just lean on those individuals but lean on the catholic the uh protestant the muslim and jewish um clergy if you will and all of them magically said it's safe to take and it's not against our religion which means what all religious exemptions are going to be nullified at that point in time all of them you could be a jehovah's witness in the military i would suggest that that's almost an oxymoron because of what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, but you're not supposed to put that stuff into your body as a Jehovah's Witness, right? Right. Military is going to say, bleep you. They, to my knowledge, have less than a quarter of all religious and medical exemptions have been accepted by them. I don't even know if there's been one. I, I'm guessing there have been a few. I'm sure there has been. So, okay. If this so if this was really just about treatment, right? You would allow people to make a choice about their treatment and be okay with any exemptions, anybody wanting out, broadly, more liberally do that, like they do with the flu vaccine or or other um vaccinations inside the military, by the way. Okay. But what did they do? They went harsh. So what other explanation is there other than this is about experimentation furthermore if this if this jab actually worked why do why why should some of the military personnel be forced to get said jab if the jab works on those that have already gotten it yeah yeah i just struggle with it and um i'm trying to figure out where i am uh, where this is okay so you might also know Teresa long because she is one of the people who uh is probably the bravest when it comes to um all of this uh-huh. why why is she the bravest because she literally has gone and done what pat gone in front of an actual jury yep defied her superiors she almost didn't Right, she almost didn't. And then when she found out, or when the judge in the case found out what the superiors were doing, what did the judge do? <laughs> he went nuts. Uh, yeah, he went he went nuts on him. <clears throat> He's like, no, you're not in a military court. You answer the damn questions, and there are no repercussions that should happen here. And went crazy about that situation. Well, yeah, she she went in and, and, and just explained the situation to him, and that's when yep, he's like, yeah, no way. Yep, no, you're going to answer the questions. 
You have basically you've got immunity from this situation. You shall not be uh there shall be no retribution for you speaking in a civilian court. But it was threatened, I'm sure. It a hundred percent was threatened to her. They basically told her you will be decommissioned. Well, they also gave her talking points too, if I'm if I remember Correct. correctly. They also gave her talking points to to try to to do this. Mm-hmm. And what was this trial? This was a Navy SEAL going against the uh the government. I found this absolutely fascinating from those perspectives because we mm. also got much, uh, we got a lot of clinical data, right? And a lot of people right. noticing that. But can you imagine demyelinization happening when you don't have MS? No, no. I didn't do anything else, right? I, all I did was I took took a vaccine. We are seeing pilots, right? Go th- Go through all this sort of stuff. And as Teresa Long pointed out, they don't allow them to take Dayquil, NyQuil. They don't allow them to take a Red Bull. They don't allow them to do any of these sorts of things. Why? Because it, because at 36,000 feet at hypersonic level, that could stop your heart. And what happens, right? You you die. That, that's what happens in midair. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not good for anybody. Okay? Nope. But go ahead and experiment with things that we know give heart issues. What? How, how about no? We're not at least no. We're not giving this to pilots, right? How about that? No. Instead, what do they do? They swept all of this as much as they humanly possibly could right under the rug. You want to talk about informed consent? Should a pilot know that there is a fifteen percent chance of X Y Z happening? Again, fifteen percent yes. is not rare. Okay, fifteen percent is not a rarity. If you were to tell me that you have a 0.15% chance of getting something, that's rare. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because, you know, you, you mentioned how um, these chapters, you know, started off with a bang and it's just absolutely maddening. And you're right. You're absolutely right. It is maddening. As someone, I mean, because I said last week, I've already read the entire book. If you think these chapters are maddening, mm-hmm. just wait. And, just and you wait. To Long's point on this, too, how many people was it that had passed away by the time that these jabs had come? 12? 12? 12 members of the military. 12 yeah. out of 1.4 million. They, they they would have stopped this far sooner, um, before, far before it even got to that number, had there been an issue. And I continue to go back to the civilian trial that happened with Pfizer. And how many people have died from taking the vaccine in the military? I'll wait for you to tell me because none of us know. How is that humanly possible? Because they're, they're sweeping stuff under the rug. And more importantly, they're pushing as much humanly possible onto the civilian side of things to fudge the numbers. But when we look at the Pfizer data, what do we know from DeVilt, right? And, and you weren't here last week on Thursday when I talked about this. The, the data, 17 people in the control group, okay, 17 got COVID and died. 21 people in the non-control group, in the experimental group, more people died in that group than the control group. More. I'm going to say that again, more. 
this just keeps piling this this data and furthering and furthering of these things are not healthy, they are not safe, they are not good for people to take. And for the Ben Shapiro crowd, for the the Daily Wire crowd more broadly, to sit there and act holier than thou and we're we're standing up to the government. Why? Because you didn't want to mandate these shots on your people. Oh, congratulations. But you spoke loudly, clearly, and definitively to your audience to tell them, take it. Take the jab. Do the jab. Jab, 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 jab. But hey, we're not, we're we're just not gonna mandate. We're not for the mandate. But we believe in the efficacy. If you if you believed so broadly in the efficacy, why not the mandate? You you effectively used the bully pulpit as a, you know, you used it as a cudgel, right? You cudgeled people into potentially getting this. When all the data, all the things that we know and we knew back then, Pat, again, I took that wait-and-see approach for this reason. For this very reason, we don't have enough data. We don't know enough. We have not even a long enough time frame from the last dosage of these people to understand the implications. And we're seeing some of these people in the trials having long-term consequences. Things are just starting to come up, right? We're seeing people now with uh, cancer reports, um, all sorts of craziness happening. No thank you once I know more information. So to to that crowd, to now stand here as like the the bastion of of we told you so? No, you didn't. The only thing you cared about was uh, your liability in mandating a shot as an employer. That's all you cared about is that government can't mandate an employer do this, but personally, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, get the damn shot. And Ben Shapiro and his ilk, are they talking about this book at all? Nope. Are they doing anything to stand up and demand accountability from our government and the people who put this into action? No. Are they going after the city of Nashville mandating and vax passporting and all of the things that they did? No. Are they demanding that we never, ever, 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 ever allow on that level no. Where are they? Sitting on the sidelines, clapping their hands and patting themselves on the back because they they want a lawsuit about not mandating for employers. They're not really in the fight. Not really there. They don't care. They don't care beyond their own pocketbook. I think you're going to find the next few chapters are going to blow your mind as well. But um, until next week, Pat, or until tomorrow, more importantly, we're going to, well, until next week, we're going to put a, we're going to close the book. And then next week, it'll be chapters three and four. So we would love to hear your opinions. Reach out to us. I'm at the Coppin Show. He's at the Pat Oni Show. Um, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. And with that, Pat, your final thoughts on today's show until we meet tomorrow. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. 
And what is the benign, innocent explanation for all of this? Please be smart, be safe, be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.